And now, for your Coap Culture One Shot, a segment which is very short about one topic, brought to you by one of us here at Coap Culture, Alaska, Curly Castro, Silaraka. Check it out. So today is the day. I've been waiting for this day for like three years. I'm finally going to get to see Terrifier 2 tonight. Um, in less than 12 hours, I will have seen this movie. So you've probably heard me talk about it a lot on the pod. And the original Terrifier was one of those movies that kind of crept up on me. I was looking for something to watch and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to throw this on. You know, I was sort of hadn't watched horror movies for a while. Um, and I was looking for something good to watch. And I couldn't find anything. I saw this image on the cover. I was like, it's kind of creepy. Let me see what it's about. Worst case scenario, I fall asleep on the couch. I threw it on. And by the end, I was completely jarred and shook. It was one of those movies that stayed with me. Like, it just was like in my guts for like a week. It was all I thought about. And it was like, everybody I ran into, I was like, yo, you got to see this movie. This movie, like, it can't just be me. This movie is crazy, right? Because it was like, nobody was talking about it at the time. Nobody I knew, like, was like, yo, this movie's crazy. It was, the portrayal, it wasn't really anything about, like, the story. Because there's not much story in the original. It was the portrayal of the antagonist, Art the Clown, by, um... David Howard Thornton, that just like really like shook me to my core. There was something like so special about his portrayal that immediately I was like, this character can jump into the pantheon. It could become one of the great horror movie killers. It could be up there with Michael Myers, Jason, Freddy, Leatherface, and I just wanted more. Like, I, I became obsessed with it. I would listen to podcasts about it because I just wanted to find out about it. It was nothing I had ever heard. Um, it was obviously a low-budget movie. Um, but the the character work of the clown and the subtleties of his performance were just riveting. They were brilliant. There was just little facial expressions that said so much. Little moves, movements of the hand or little poses that just were either expressed utter comedy or horrifying terror. And then the kills, like the the special effects were all practical and they were some of the most well done, amazingly created gore that I had ever seen. And as a, a fan of horror and slasher movies, that's what you want. You want something that's like, kind of blows you away. And this movie did that in so many ways. Like, you know, again, like the the portrayals um, of the characters were kind of, they were set up to be destroyed. Um, and I, I've heard people complain about like, you know, the, the characters being pretty empty, um, which I guess is a fair, a fair complaint because there wasn't much to the plot. But I found even like, you know, the, the main girls who went on in this movie to be 
pretty pretty damn good for the most part. Like Tara was was great. Um and when she got well, I'm not gonna say anything, but you know, Tara was a really good character. I thought her sister was fantastic. I'm blanking on her name right now and I shouldn't be because she's pretty epic to the movie, but um you know, I enjoyed them as characters. There was the acting wasn't necessarily like superb, but it was done well enough that there was something about them that you could care about. Um, you saw like a humanity in them. And in Art the Clown, you saw a villain that was relentless and purposeless. Like the, you know, the, the, the random chaos that he brought to the scene was pretty freaking amazing. So I've watched this movie probably 20 times at least, it's become one of my favorite horror movies. It's a movie that when people are asking about horror movies, I often recommend it. I recommend it with a lot of caveats because of how insane the kills are. I want people to understand when they're going into this that this is not going to be even like your Halloweens or your Friday the 13ths. Um, there's something extra splattery about this. So when I tell people to see this, that's why they have to watch, you know, they have to go into it knowing that it's going to be an experience that they might not like. Um, but it, most people do like it. And even those that don't are like, yo, that's crazy. Um, and they want to see Terrifier too. So I've been sort of, uh, I guess a disciple of this movie or like a zealot for this movie and telling anybody that I know that likes horror that they should go see it and just be prepared. So when I heard they were doing Terrifier 2, I got super excited. Um, I wanted to know more about this world. I wanted to see more of art. I wanted to see what Damien Leone could do with this character. And, you know, COVID hit. So everything got put on hold um, and we just were kind of sitting there. But it got released, like, I think about a month ago. They had, like, a premiere at Fantastic Fest in the UK, a couple US premieres here and there. And all of the word that came out was that this was gonna be epic um that it was gonna be one of the most epic slashers in decades from what i've heard like you know i mean people are saying easily it's their favorite movie of the year um the final girl in this movie is apparently a, a career making performance um for i believe the name's like lauren sylvania um something like that um and she plays Sienna, and it's she's apparently, like, immediately catapulted into being one of the greatest final girls ever. So, you know, the excitement for seeing this movie right now couldn't be higher. And we're going to see it tonight at 6.30, uh, and I will report back later. But fingers crossed, um, I haven't been this excited to see a movie probably since maybe... The Last Jedi, and I was really excited to see that, and I was one of those people that really loved The Last Jedi, um, so, you know, I'm hoping that this movie surpasses any and all of my, my expectations, um, and I will, I'll get back to you. Peace. So, did you figure out what you're dressing up as tomorrow? He wants to dress up as a real guy who murdered nine people last year. Oh, you're not doing that. It's just a costume. I think that guy's still out there. It's 
What's up with you and this clown all of a sudden? You're like obsessed. They never found his body. What if he decides to come back here? I wouldn't worry about it. Wait a minute, aren't you that guy from the costume shop? Sir, what are you doing? It wasn't me. He was covered in blood on his shirt and his hands when he got here. I'm telling you it was him, Allie. Right down to the little black dot on the tip of his nose. You're really weird, you know that? I believe him. About what? Something really bad's gonna happen tonight. No, I, I know when Jonathan's lying, okay? I, I could hear it in his voice. Something's, something's wrong. Look, we're gonna have fun. Mm -hmm. Stress-free environment. Yep. Speaking of surprises, kids, we have a very special guest with us today. All the way from Miles County, please welcome Art the Clown. Saw Terrifier 2. Jesus Christ, that movie was insane. It was... I'm trying to do everything not spoiler here because I don't want to spoil anything. But, um... The excitement felt going into it was like a kid going into like your first big blockbuster movie. Like something you've been waiting for your whole life. <clears throat> and, um... They definitely didn't miss what you were hoping for. It was the craziest movie I've ever seen in a movie theater. Hands down. Um, the movie was so much bigger in scope than the original Terrifier was. And all of the things you loved about the original Terrifier were in it. Times a thousand. Like straight up and down like the kills in this movie were unlike anything that I had ever seen and I thought that about the first Terrifier movie but this one was just completely gonzo like this, I guess maybe that's the only term I could think of for it because it was like they lingered like, you were in there. You saw literally everything that happened to these people. And it wasn't like, you know, you see Jason and it's like, think of like one of his most vicious kills. Like, the, maybe the sleeping bag. Like, you know, where he, he slams that person against a tree with a sleeping bag. And that's one second. If it wasn't a Terrifier movie, that would have been a five-minute clip of pummeling, of gore, of agony, of wildness, of Art the Clown's sheer joy at it all. Um, it, it's kind of like that. It's just completely 
torturous and not in a torture porn sort of way, just in a, we're going to put, we're going to make you watch it. If you want to see this, you're going to watch it. And it like made you look away at points, which was kind of wild because horror movies never make you look away. They want to keep your eyes on the screen. The effect work was just completely next level. Like Damon, Damon Leon is a goddamn genius. Um, the new character, uh, Sienna, played by, I believe her name's Lauren, Lauren Lavernia or something like that, was fantastic. Added a really great layer of um, development to the story that wasn't there in the first Terrifier movie. The first Terrifier movie was all about Art the Clown and what Art the Clown can do. This was giving you a sort of worthy opponent to Art the Clown, which was cool. Um there was a new character called Pale Little Girl, which was Nightmare Fuel. And then, um, you know, the whole cast for the most part was pretty good. Um, sometimes the story meandered a bit, which might have added to the length. But it's a minor complaint. Like, you know, kind of nitpicking if you're looking for nitpicking. Um, and David Howard Thornton deserves every Academy Award. His work as Art the Clown is without question bringing him into the top three of slashers for me. Like, he's a mix of Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. Um, and then exponentially better, perhaps. Um, and you know, that's because he has the shoulders of giants to stand on. That would definitely not be to take anything away from those characters. But what he does with Art the Clown is just brilliant. Like, he's hilarious. He's brutal. He's insane. He's menacing. He's all of these things at once. And it's just like, you know, there are moments where you're just watching him and you're like, how is he even doing this? The faces that he makes, the little, the little most subtle motions that he brings into the to the character are just perfect. Like, there's no better word for it. Like, you know, if you were to have a Mount Rushmore of horror movie killers, he's there at this point. There's nobody that has done with the character what he has done, with the exception of what Robert England has done with Freddy Krueger. Because nobody can play Art the Clown after he's played Art the Clown. It's impossible. So, I'm going to give this movie, I would say, if I was to give it out of 10, probably be like a 9. It's like there. There's a few things that you could probably get rid of um, or clear up, maybe. But the movie's just insane. It is not for the weak of heart. It is... If you're like an amateur horror fan, don't watch this movie. Build up your chops. It would be like trying to go from listening to, like, I'm trying to think of, like, like from parents just don't understand to Supreme Clientele and pretending you could understand what's going on with Supreme Clientele. It's like that level of horror. Like, I don't think most horror fans are even ready for something like this. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> I think, I think that's the only way I can think of it. Like, it's one of those movies that just stays with you. And, you know, much like the first one, 
you're going to warn anybody that goes to see it about what they're about to go into. And no matter how many times you warn them, it's not going to be enough. No matter how experienced they are with horror, those warnings are not going to prepare them for what they're going to see. Even if they've seen Terrifier, it's not going to prepare them for what they are about to see. So, it is the ultimate slasher movie, I think. Now, I don't know if it will have the rewatchability of something like, you know, the Friday the 13th uh, series because of everything I just described. But it might um, because because of uh, Lauren Laverna and David Howard Thornton because they are just really enjoyable characters. Art the Clown is just an icon. Like, there's no other way around it. Like, that character is the new model for what a horror movie villain should be. You know, it's no more of, like, the same old shit. That's not going to be acceptable anymore after seeing this movie. So, kudos to everyone over at Terrifier. Kudos to Damon Leone for taking this to the next level for staying with it, for doing it independently, um, without studios, knocking Top Gun out of the top 10 as a completely independent venture, playing one or two shows a night for three days. It's it's amazing. I, I do worry that because of how well it did, that once people find out what this movie is in the square world, there's going to be a massive backlash. So who the hell knows? But either way, like, let's try to see this movie. I don't know if it's going to still be in the theaters. I don't know if it's or whatever, but it's going to be on Screenbox at some point. And uh, yeah, check it out. Like, if you like horror, if you like laughing, if you like cringing, if you like being like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Check this movie out. Because this movie is the best that's ever done that. Peace. Yo, one one shot, one shot, one shot, one shot. Zilla Rocker Call Out Culture Podcast. You are getting a free taste of this which we usually only ever do on Patreon, but we're doing it live on the public feed for everybody. So I'm taking a little stroll through my dirty-ass street in South Philadelphia, live. Um, So I put on Twitter being like, yo, does anybody want anything specific? Because uh, Castro's on tour with Billy Woods, as we covered last week on a Live from the Live Show episode. Definitely should go check that joint. And then um, NLS got some things happening. So... My man, uh, Pete Bone, said, yo, why don't you do like a little little basketball kickoff, a little preview, which I'm happy to do. Um, I probably, I'll try to keep this as Sixers minimalized as possible. Um, overall picks with my head, I'm going to say Bucks, Warriors for finals. With my heart, I go Sixers, Clippers. Sixers win in six. Bust Kawhi's ass. Um, yeah, there's like dope fiends out here. And then 
dudes with sledgehammers pounding shit. Um, my th- I think for my rookie of the year, I'm going uh, Jaden Ivey. like that kid. Um, I'm a fan of his. I think he'll be dope. I think the Suns are going to implode because Aiton doesn't want to be there. They're trying to trade Jay Crowder. The season's about to start. So I think they're going to implode, meaning like they go from 64 wins last year to like 46 this year, something like that. Like at least 10, at least 10 to 14 less wins. Um, and I don't know what else they're going to do. Um, the Nets, <laughs> the Nets, uh, boy, they, um, they'll be good. You know, they'll be good. But I mean, you have the three least reliable quote unquote stars of the last 20 years. So who knows what the hell is going to happen with them? Um, probably four seed, I would guess. Yeah. Cause they're all going to miss. Um, Garnett, they're all going to miss it in minimum 20 games. So, um, yeah, good luck with all that. Uh, I still am terrified of Bucks, man. I just respect the shit out of them. Celtics, also fearful. Um, I don't, I don't know. Could they get better? That's the question. Could they be better than they were second half of last year going into this year with all the uncertainty? And I'm, I'm going to say there's going to be like the finals hangover and turmoil. So. I don't see them getting out of the second round. Um, it's just always kind of likely. So there's that. Um, who else do, who do I think is considerable? I think in the West, I'm not on this Nuggets bullshit, bro. I don't, I don't fuck with the Nuggets. I don't like Jokic for petty reasons that are personal because I don't think he's worthy of being a two-time MVP. And the narrative is, well, look who he was missing. He didn't... So he's the best because three other dudes got hurt. Get the fuck out of here. Um, so fuck the Nuggets. <sighs> Blazers. What a what a hapless situation. I like them getting Jeremy Grant a lot. I like the Gary Payton Jr. pickup a lot. I, I fuck with Anthony Simons. I saw him play live last year in person for the first time. But I was saying last year, you just have to you gotta rip the Band-Aid off. You got to trade Dame and move on. Like... Where are you going out west trying to retool and restock and you got nothing of note? Like, I've had Nurkic in fantasy before. He's he's fine. I mean, he's like, he's probably like the 19th best center. But I, I can't see them even having a better record than the Pelicans. But, you know, Dame's a lovable loser. He wants to lock down that $50 million a year contract while the team wins 40 games. So he's a loser. Unlike James Harden who selflessly, admirably, maybe illegally, sacrificed some coin so us Sixers could get P.J. Tucker and Danwell House and uh, Montrez Harrell and all that. You know, because he's a winner. He's a winner. How much more money do you fucking need? What's the difference between $36 million and $50 million? $14 million to help the fucking team, Dame. <laughs> so, yeah, fuck the Blazers, too. Although the uniforms are fire. Um... Cleveland, I'm ping-ponging now. Cleveland, they're, they're a little frightening. They're a little frightening. I think they're probably minimum one year away from being like a real, real, real threat. I think they can win like 46 games, 47 games this year. Um, hmm. I like the Donovan Mitchell pickup, obviously. I like Garland. Um, who else is on my mind these days? 
Grizzlies think I think they I think they take a step back a little bit, a little bit. Because I think when you're a surprise team, as we saw with the Knicks a couple years ago, um, it's more likely that it's kind of like a one-year thing versus over and over and over a sustained uh, killer shit of 48 to 50-plus wins. So I think Memphis kind of takes a step back a little bit. Bulls, Shasta Griff, Bulls, Bulls taking a huge step back. They might win like 35, 38 games. Um, same thing, yeah, like they're... It's a shame too, but I just I don't know. I don't I don't see any world where they're anything more than a play play, play in team. I think they peaked last year, first half. Um, oh, Minnesota! I'm very intrigued, very intrigued with Minnesota. Um, I don't know. I don't have their win total in front of me, but could they win like forty six games? Forty eight? Hmm. I think I think it's quite possible. I still am not a D'Angelo Russell believer at all. So, I don't know. But, like, I feel like if Gobert is the only dude that can reliably play defense, and maybe, what's his name, Jaden McDaniel? I mean, is Jaden McDaniel, like, that much of a beast to take over for the lack of defense pretty much everywhere else? Like, that's what always kills me with these teams. Like, regular season, yeah, you could you know, put up some buckets, but after that, I mean, what's it going to matter if no one can defend? Um, yeah, so I like them, though. I like Minnesota. Kind of like my dark horse, my pick, my little dark horse pick. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is on my mind. So anyway, yeah, that's, and the Sixers, I'll give you my, my, my Sixers scouting report. It's only right. Welcome back in the cribbo. Um, I think the Sixers... Number one, Embiid's not getting MVP at all. Um, he should just play for Defensive Player of the Year, which that's that's a better use of his time. Um, I think Harden is going to be an All Star, hands down. He's going to get like twenty points, eleven assists, have a couple blow up fifty bombs on our heads, and a couple like you know fifteen point, fifteen assist games. Uh, Maxi is. Um, he's going to be, you know, incredible. I think Maxie's probably, if he doesn't make the all-star team this year, next year, 150%. Uh, PJ Tucker, love it for this year. After this year, I'm very nervous. And Tobias Harris is like, I think he's probably still the highest paid player on the team. Now he's our fourth option on offense, which is pretty amazing. Like when Tobias is your fourth, you should probably win 55 games. So I like that. I like the, the, the Matisse Thibel propaganda that he's this fucking unbelievable knockdown Mark Price shooter now. Because um, when you're unvaccinated and the home crowd boos you and you don't play in Toronto in clutch games and you're not there when Embiid hits the turnaround at the buzzer and you miss out with your teammates because you took one vaccine out of two like a fucking idiot and blame it on like Eastern Chinese medicine or some shit that your mother told you about. I don't even I don't even understand, dude. So we'll see. He'll probably get traded to he'll probably get traded for like two seconds and like a backup point guard or some shit. Uh which I wouldn't be sad to see him go. Um Yeah, that that's pretty much my, my NBA thinking at the moment. I don't have a computer in front of me or anything like that, just on foot, kicking it for the people. Uh Knicks trash, Hornets, garbage. 
Orlando, super booty butt cheeks. Um, OKC, yo, let me tell you something about Castro's beloved OKC Thunder, man. Yo, it's never really been quite explained how. All right, this will be the good part. It's never been quite explained how the Sixers, when the Sixers tank, right, we need uh, Jerry Colangelo needs to be hired. We need to nepotize his doofy son, give him a job. We need to change all the lottery odds for the whole fucking NBA. But when OKC is like, oh, you know what? It's 30 games of the season. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander just, he mysteriously hurt his ankle, his ankle and he's going to miss the next 50 games. And you know what? We got Al Horford from the Sixers. Um, we're winning too many close games, so like we're going to send him home for 60 games. Um but like we, because we're a small market team and our city's the capital of dog food manufacturing, it's cute when we just literally throw 60 games out the fucking window and tank. That's fine. And everyone feels bad for us because KD left and we had to trade Russell Westbrook because Paul George wanted to fucking get out of there after they gave him a contract for LA. So like when we – oh, Derek Favors, same thing. We get him, we'll just kind of – Put him in a glass case somewhere in case someone wants to give us three second round picks or two seconds. We won't play him. We won't play these guys. Or if they play and they play too well, we will immediately diagnose phantom injuries to guarantee our losing streaks and failures end. So yeah, that's fucking hilarious. I just I that's never been quite explained because here in Philly we are a two fucking dickhead podcasters called it the process and put up hinky billboards. And look, I'm not I'm not a pro hanky guy all the way. Like some shit he did was he to me he's any other GM. Some shit he did was good. Some shit blew up in his fucking face. He was not a genius. He did the most basic shit of all time. Fucking lose games on purpose to get picks. Like, hello. Um But he still we had like Ish Smith on the team, Carl Landry, Elton Brand came back for a little bit. Uh what other vet? Jason Thompson was on one of those teams. Uh, Thomas Robinson. We had we had like vets coming through. JaVale McGee was a sixer. So when when we lose 17 in a row, the whole train has to stop. And there, there's got to be we <laughs> the lottery, which has existed for 30, 40 years. That all has to change because people in Philly gave a name to the idea of losing games on purpose in the NBA to get the fucking best players in the draft. <laughs> But when OKC does it, it's like, oh, well, Sam Presti's a gentleman. He's got a plan. He's a he's a smart guy. You know, to, they they trust his vision and patience to lose 700 games for the last two, three years to, you know, this year, how many games are going to win? 28, 25, and that'll be a resounding victory. But to them, it's going to be big when they don't get the number one pick. So how many more? Yo, SGA, man, has got to be sick. How, like, he made the playoffs and have Clippers team that rookie year. This motherfucker hasn't even sniffed playing 70 games, much less winning fucking 29 games for the last four years. And the dude's a baller. God damn. He's a ball, a baller. Sam Presti, you're not at all a baller. So there you go. That, that's, that's my rant on uh, the, 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 the history of tanking briefly. All right, that's my one shot. NBA preview 2022-2023. Zilla Rocker, car culture, peace.